Hey everyone, Matt Calderoni here, co-host of the Difference Maker Podcast. Really quick ask, we need your help. So here's the thing, we take the time each week to put these episodes together with the genuine intent to help people discover and reach their true potential, just like yourself, so you can get to that next level in life. All we're asking for is a quick subscription or you know, a like, a review, a comment, something that helps grow this channel and helps us boost that algorithm. We don't do any kind of paid advertising for this. We don't do any real marketing other than through our social media channels. We're genuinely here to help people and to help you. So if you can, leave us a quick rating, leave us a quick review, subscribe if you're tuning in on YouTube, and we'll see you in the episode. Difference Makers, welcome back to this week's podcast episode. Your hosts, Matt and Chris Calderoni. Excited to get into this one. Just before I get started, Chris and I were talking before this with um, our, our community manager and we were saying, so I'm actually going to be starting to do something very interesting coming up in the next 365 days. Everybody can hold me accountable to this, whoever's tuning in. But every day for the next 365 days, I'm going to be trying to post some kind of a podcast episode, if you will, um, on our channel here. And the podcast, it's going to be something simple, like a quick takeaway, take home message from the day. But it's going to be a learning experience. So there's a lot of interesting things that happen around here at Mala Team. A lot of interesting shit that goes down with our athletes and so on and, um, and our clients. And a lot of learning experiences that I feel if I could share a little more on and something I want to do to share a little more on, I think it could be great for everybody tuning in. Yeah, so and actually, if you don't uh, know my brother very well, there's going to be a lot that he discusses. So if you miss one day, I mean, feel free to go back and <clears throat> check everything else out because there's going to be stuff there, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, it's gonna be it's gonna be some interesting stuff, especially because of the fact that we have so many different um, so many different clients that we work with in so many different areas, if you will, of high performance. There's always a learning experience from something. Now, it's not gonna be nice and edited like these podcast episodes are um, that our great editors do, but it's going to be something that drives a lot of value and just something I felt we needed to do. So we're gonna just start doing it. What better time to do it than when you think it, right? So that could be dangerous. Don't do that. But anyways, <laughs> let's dive into this week's episode. It's a really interesting one because, you know, when Chris and I, I think when we were talking about it too, we noticed one of the most important things is a lot of stuff that has to go on right now with the, we'll call it clinical mental health side of performance and how current therapeutic methods are working and impacting people that we have to deal with. You know, some clients we pick up that have been working with different kinds of therapists before, psychologists and so on, and they come to us with the hopes to kind of have a little bit of a better experience. And today we're going to touch on one of those topics, which I think is um, a very interesting topic. So, you know, to start this all off, we had a player that called in about a month ago. Um, he's playing professional football in the NFL. And the big thing for him was he said he was having a tough time sleeping. And that's how we originally got into this, right? Like that was something that we were discussing and going through. And so I went through it and I asked him, so what are you doing? And he told me what he's doing. He goes, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm trying this. I'm trying to do some breathing. I'm trying to do some meditating. I'm trying to do all the things that normally are done. But I noticed some hesitation when he was speaking, right? Like kind of like, like when you ask someone a, just a generalized question, like, what are you doing before you go to bed? It shouldn't be as weird as it kind of felt with him talking about it. Does that make sense? Was it like he was looking for a response or like what you would say to all the things that he was no, saying? Not, not looking for a response. More so like, more so like he was a little hesitant to say something. Put it that way. Embarrassed? Like, 
maybe embarrassed maybe embarrassed is actually a good one but more so like yeah embarrassed but like he was hiding something it was evident Mm -hmm. put it that way when you know somebody's hiding something so he told me all the little things that he was doing and then finally when i kept questioning him i was like okay listen it doesn't make sense like you're doing this you're doing this you're doing this you're doing this what have you tried before though like before going to bed that really works he goes matt okay i gotta be honest with you and this is where it broke he goes the reason I was having such a tough time sleeping now is because before I was actually, we'll call it pushed towards taking and, you know, having sleep modalities. And I said, what are sleep modalities? He goes, well, long story short, when he broke, he goes, I was given and offered pills by the, you know, a referred psychologist of the team um, to sleep before bed. And I started taking that for a little bit for certain nights. And then I, he goes, I didn't get like locked in addicted to it, but I definitely started taking them more than I liked. Mm-hmm. And this is where I started to notice the real problem kicking in, because this is where I started to, in my mind, you know, a big thing we believe in here at Molotium, we're a big believer, and you said it best in the past before, where you should be able to work yourself out of anything. I think you should attempt to do that first. Attempt to do that first, yes. right? 100% before right. other things Going to the pill side. So... He finally broke it. I said, thanks for breaking it. That's great. That's fine. It's not, and, it, and for anybody tuning in too, it's not like a big catastrophic thing, but it's, we're under the belief system here and what we like to operate that you should be doing everything in your power possible first to naturally try and get yourself out of tough times, ruts, your health, whatever it is, try that first. If it doesn't work, of course, with the, with, with the supervision of a professional, you go down that other road. And, and when Matt says, like, uh, what was it, to do it the natural way and stuff like that, we're not talking about, like, you know, taking ashwagandha or, no. or anything like that. No, no, no. I'm, we're talking about give yourself some patience, give yourself some time to, to, try, to try and see, like, maybe it's just a one-day feeling or this yeah. or that or whatever the case may be. And maybe it's just a maturity thing, too, sometimes. Yeah. It's it's different for everybody, right? But try yeah. it yourself first. But see, this is the thing that gets me the most about it because I said, so I asked him, like, as we're, we're debriefing, so we put him through some really good stuff. But I was asking him, I was like, so just a question, man. Like, why did you feel a little hesitant to tell me that? Like, why why was it a big thing? Like, I said, we've never judged you. We never will. Like, what was it? He goes, Matt, because I'll tell you this. I kind of felt like that was the one thing they suggested before anything else. Not, did you try this? Did you try that? I said, so what about the meditating and all the other stuff? He goes, Matt, that was after I got off it. So it's like, that to me is what kind of starts to get me a little heated about this stuff because it's like, before going to the natural way or the, we'll call it the way of like own personal resource and reference on that, you decided to go on more so of that medicated way. See, I, I'm not putting it on the individual that was talking to him. I think there's a little bit of pressure too in high performance sports that they feel most likely, uh, and we feel it too, like it's there, but that need to get that person right back on track as quickly as possible. Yeah. And I think there's added pressure there. And I think it messes around with the actual um, treatment, like treatment of an individual. Yeah. Pres- yeah. Because. <clears throat> Like, it's their job to, here's my issue. And probably, I'm assuming some of those players, like, I know this athlete, he's a very nice person. He gives patience to things. He does his stuff. But some guys are like, fix me now. Yeah. Give me something. And just like anybody, everybody wants a quick fix now, right? Yeah. So how do you not fall into 
how do you not fall into that? That's tough. And I think that's actually a great point. Well, this is also where though I'll have, see, I'm, I'm sympathetic towards that. Uh, better word. I'm empathetic towards that. Yeah. But I still have a problem with it. Oh, I think it's a problem. I think it's a bit, well, here's why. And this is why I start to have a little bit of a problem with, so let, let's wrap this up quickly first. So we did help this individual. We put him through a stack that we're going to give you guys here, who's, whoever's tuning in, that we personally use ourselves. We use with all our athletes that you can use to help you fall asleep better in the most natural ways. It's great. It works. It's awesome. It'll work for you. A but, stack they can download? Um, no, it's a, you, you'll have to take notes on this one. Oh, okay. But it's very simple to remember. It's not hard. Um, but my point is, though, so I have a problem with this whole side behind, and I've spoken to you about this before. People who are working with athletes in a high-performance environment, from the head coach to the assistant coach to the strength coach to the mental coaches to the nutritionists to the equipment managers to anybody who's working with a high-performance athlete, there needs to be some kind of a screening process for these individuals that goes deeper than just credentials. Because I will tell you, I've been in this environment, we've been in this environment for so many years now, what Chris just said there is a very real thing. What you just talked about on the pressure to get somebody back to performance and now immediately, no questions asked, that is probably one of the biggest catalysts I've seen to professionals in the field who not all of them, but some of them do things unethically to help the athlete get there. And then they push shit on these athletes like, well, take the sleeping pill. Yeah, I have a really big problem with take the sleeping pill. I have a, I have a big problem with the bullshit, to be honest, of pills for short term. Like, I'm not talking like real big chronic issues. I know there are some people that right there's I totally understand that. But I mean, like, I'm talking about this slight, okay, couple weeks, we're traveling a lot, I haven't slept as great. Oh, you know what? Here's a pill. I have a I have a major problem with that. I have a major problem with that. And if you really break that down to the root of where that comes from, it's going to be one of two things. Either, and I'm going to give the person the benefit of, benefit of the doubt, but either you're, you're not a very ethical practi- practitioner, which I'd like to think that's not the case. Or on the other side, you feel that absolute pressure to get this person back immediately. So you take the easy way out. Yeah, so that's, your, that's the tough part because... Again, in high-performing sports, in professional sports, that's that's the game that you're playing at. That's the game you're playing at. But why don't we cave to that? Well, I think, first off, we can't prescribe anyone anything. Oh, well, we never would. <laughs> that's, that's the first one. But secondly, I think um, we enter a contract with an individual, not necessarily a written one, but more so a contract with the individual to say, we're going to build something and building takes time. Mm. And building is consistency over the course of a season as opposed to numbers day by day. Yeah, but you know what? I'll even go deeper on that. We have values. Oh, values as well. No, we have very deep values that we believe in here of what it takes to get somebody to that next level. Uh, fair enough but we're also the ones that are putting the pressure on ourselves to get things done of course but it's not that we don't have the pressure how many times could we easily do something and take a shortcut with someone and put a temporary band-aid of this 
bullshit type of way of going about things that really doesn't end up working unless the person changes their story, which is what we'll get into in a sec. But using these aids, like think about it, a pill, for example, yes, it changes your biochemistry. Mm -hmm. Yes, it changes your biochemistry. There's no doubt about that. Yes, it helps. And I'm ta- again, I'm talking about the short term, cr- like like acute issues, yeah. acute challenges, not the long term. Whatever. But these pills, these it's been shown the antidepressants, for example, don't work unless the person wants to change their story. Mm-hmm. The the pills don't work unless the person wants to change their story. Now, mind you, a sleeping pill is often a much stronger dosage to knock somebody Ooh. out than let's say an antidepressant that's used to gradually change that biochemistry. Right. A sleeping pill is made it, it makes you fall asleep now. Mm-hmm. Right? My point is though, it's a short-term fix. It's not sustainable unless you want to become pill dependent, which I think that could be po- my own personal belief is that's not the best route simply because then it's like giving up control to something external. All of us human beings do have the control and do have the ability to control how we feel and how we want to feel. It's a matter of taking ownership for it. Yeah, no, that's fair. And again, just to clarify, you're talking about like little... I'm quick, talking about... Quick, no, not, not for someone that is like... Uh, so hold on, let's define that for a second. Yeah. I'm talking about people who like every human being go through the natural processes in life of going through challenging times. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about where, for example, you perform like crap for a month straight and you feel like crap for a month straight and you get into a depressional period for a month straight. My point is though, there's there is a light at that end of the uh, at the end of that tunnel. There is totally a light at the end of that tunnel. I'm talking about that kind of stuff. I'm talking about acute short-term stuff. I'm talking about like up to even a quarter of your uh, a quarter of a year sometimes three months i've seen players going through it for three months sometimes but guess what okay. they get through it and they do much better for it i've had hey we have an individual who's playing at the professional level had a family member just pass away short-term acute chronic depressed state doesn't mean he is depressed as a it's not his identity after yeah i course. feel like a lot of times once you start depending upon something external like a pill like that and again it's not to frown on it but it's understand the short-term acute side to what you have control over take some control see that's that's i think is the the difference is controllable actions that lead up to that point that that individual is either making or not making that is helping them get to where they currently are so i think that so as a result of that if you have to turn to um a pill to get you out of a state you had all those opportunities beforehand to make those choices what i'm talking about is when someone is diagnosed with something and they have they rely on that pill to keep them going you know what i mean that's the difference what i mean yep. i mean someone that has the controllable actions beforehand that if you don't learn how to make those actions properly i think that's what screws you over and that's where a lot of these players need to learn how to do those things which is the controllable yes. actions beforehand to prevent you to getting to that point of of despair well that's also where for a player too i think they have to realize because i i look at it two ways number one the frequency of how how often this happens that's my issue with it that's my beef with it we even had another player in the nhl who before he came to start working with us goes man I had a, a, a sports psychologist or whomever, a psychologist on my team who was trying to prescribe me medication 
to focus better because I had ADHD, they said. It's like, okay, was Mm -hmm. that the first solution? He goes, man, short from trying to talk to myself on the bench, that was the first solution. So I'm going to also look at look at it from two sides here. One, we'll talk about the athlete in a sec. Let's talk practitioner first. Let's put this to bed. If your one solution to help somebody, for example, focus better or sleep better, if your one solution is something as minuscule as talk to yourself on the bench or try breathing before bed, that's not a solution. That's not checking every box. That's not going through it and exploring everything to the depths of its corner from the most natural way possible to help somebody in performance, to control themselves. Right. That's not. And then if option number two right after that, oh, did you try talking to yourself on the bench? Yep. Here's your pill. That's my problem. Well, maybe that's not necessarily a problem with... No, that's a, that's a practitioner thing then. No, that's what I mean. Maybe that... How many different maybe tools... That's... But think about this for a second. How many different freaking tools do we look to to try to solve one challenge with an athlete? And oftentimes it's try this, try that, try this, try that. No, oh, that's the one that that's works. That's what I mean. That's what that's what we do. I don't think they're brought in for that. What do you mean? I, I think they're brought in for, like, for at those levels. Like I said, it's quick fixes. And if you don't have the ability, because at the end of the day, you're working with grown men and women that should that should it's assumed that they know what they're doing and how to take care of themselves during the week because at the end of the day it's normally when it comes down to the performance on game day if they pass or fail right i think those people are brought in most of the time to when it hits that point and it's pass or fail it's so not everything it. it's not a developmental thing mm. at that level because there's a lot of development well there's a lot of development through d- the developmental years right through junior hockey through junior sports through junior basketball through everything that goes up into that there's development yeah. at that age but there's no development unless it's physically like get up to the speed of the game or get up to yeah um uh, agility, agility, speed. all that stuff, yeah. like the physical side to a professional level. I don't think there's one to do that I'm for um, not even mental, but maturity. Yeah. Overall, like, cause you have younger players coming into the league now that are hitting that physical peak, which is fantastic, but they're, they don't have the maturity. Like some of the older guys in any league, like think of them, they have the physical side well, and then they still can't compete at that level why and why can they last so long they have the the maturity behind yeah. it well i also think too though like to hit on that point and i agree with it but even to hit on that point like we've been we've been calling for this for a really long time why is there not a developmental plan to actually train these individuals to think like a high performer we what? train these individuals, think about it. We train these individuals physically to be a high performer all the time. We yeah. train them. Here's your strength plan. Here's your fitness plan. Here's your nutrition plan. We have the heart rate monitors. We have this, we have that. But let's not individually teach you how to think like a high performer. Let's instead throw you into a situation. And this, because this is the reality of, of what we'll call 80% of teams do. Being generous there. Let's say 90% of teams do. You throw these players into a situation, these human beings, and then you say, you know what? Physically, we're going to take care of you. Mentally, when you go through the experience, you'll figure it out and learn. Yeah, but you know what? That's the problem, though. No, I, I understand. There's no that's, prescription. That's every 
that that's every organization though that's like from any any organization from the corporate world to to fair enough but we're talking about getting to the root of that because then to your point the quick fix the last second thing the last ditch effort that we do here you go that's the problem no that's 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 the problem that's what it's being forced to right right but what i'm saying is the uh like that's left up to the organization. That's like any organization not putting back into their employee wellness or their yeah, but stuff no, like man, that. no, 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 and they're no. Also- that's not up to. Okay, I get what you're saying. Where I have a problem with that, if you're a professional in the field who's called in to do that job, and you know that's what needs to be done, why aren't you having that discussion? Sometimes, we do it. No, we do. But sometimes you only have so much that you can that you can do. Then that's where I have a problem, though. Again, what I'm saying is the value side of it. Mm -hmm. If you know that's the right thing to do, you fight tooth and nail and you find a way. And if you can't do it, if you cannot do it, the last thing you should be resorting to do to to is the quick fix, hopefully turn the corner side. That's the side I'm seeing, at least on the part where people are are giving this stuff at the professional side. Yeah. Now, on the athlete side, I'm also going to challenge the athletes as well, because there are some athletes, to your point earlier, that want a quick fix, mm-hmm. that don't want to do the hard work. And it's not even hard work, man. It's disciplined work. That's all it is. You want to calm yourself down before bed. It's very simple to do. It takes discipline. It takes, it takes a commitment, right? And it's not that every athlete wants to do it. That's the truth. It takes a commitment to make sure you do your breathing before bed. It takes a commitment to make sure you're doing your journaling before bed. It takes a commitment to make sure that you're turning the screens off a certain time before bed it takes commitment to make sure that if you are super anxious and you're somebody who needs to vent thoughts and help have somebody else help you materialize what's going on in your head it takes a commitment to call those people every day it is much more challenging or we'll call it time consuming to do those things which is what we're going to give you here today on this episode but it's much more challenging to do that than it is to take the pill yeah of course it is so not to completely dump on the professionals there, I do think there's a, a very deep look they need to sometimes take within themselves first before they start in that role because it's a high-performance position and it's unforgiving and be, we work with the teams, we work with the individuals, our company does the same. It's a, it's a tough gig, man, when you're in a position to want to win every single year, mm-hmm. right? Even when we were part of the Chicago Steel. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, they had such a great ownership group. They had a great, you know, coaching group and executive group and so on. We didn't have that, okay, you got to find a way now. It was a very progressive group where it was like, let's talk about these players. But what they did do that was very smart. Let's have a development plan for each player. That was the very smart part. Did the players love to do it all the time? No, but it was preventative. Much more. Great. But on the player side... The part that I feel like they need to get their head around as well, that sometimes they don't, this stuff takes work. Can you see it? You can definitely see it in performance and and how you feel on a day-to-day, but can you actually see the tangibles of what it means to meditate? Do you see how the meditation process... No, it's an audio track or something. Sometimes that makes it tougher for players to follow through on. But my point is, if you are a player and you are going through this as well, you also need to have the commitment to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to do it the right or, or the better way, we'll say. The the more, we'll call it long-term solution way versus give me the easy way out. Because the easy way out, the easy way out is often what leads later on to longer-term problems. Mm-hmm. The easy way out in the moment 
is what leads to the chronic challenges. Yeah. Right? Substance abuse, addictions, so on. We see it all the time. But it all comes back to taking ownership of, of your own emotions. And I fully believe every individual has the ability to take control of their emotions. I believe some have more of affinity to than others. And some might need more coaching than others and some more guidance than others. Even to a biochemical level, sometimes more change. Some might need that pill if it's really, really, really bad and everything else has been tested. But you have to take control of your emotion. It takes, it takes a commitment to control your emotions. It does. Most times people don't want to control that. Most times people don't want to commit to that. Most times people are okay with being labeled as the guy who lashes out or the gal who lashes out. And that's a problem. Heck, we have an athlete like that. Yeah. Right? What What is that called? The law? Is that the law of assumption? Is that what it is? You think, therefore you are kind of thing? Like the story that you're telling yourself is the one that I believe. It's, I believe I don't know the name of it, but that's absolutely true. I, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it's called the law of assumption, where it's essentially what you think that you are. So like this this happens to a lot of a lot of people in in high school, for example, right? Yeah. Like you go through your phases. You you know you listen to one type of music. You're you're an athlete. You're this. You're that. You're whatever. Um, you think, therefore, you kind of are. So the story that you're telling yourself is the one you're that right. ends up happening, right? The law of assumption states that by believing the thing you want already exists in your life, you'll manifest into existence. Yeah, so if essentially... You believe yeah. you're a lash-out person and that's your identity, you're going to do that. Yeah. Yes. And or like, you know, I see a lot of videos, the popular kid <clears throat> at school, right? Yeah. It's just that they had a little bit more confidence than everybody else and they believed it and they knew it. And they didn't have to fall to you know, themes or this or that or anything. Right. Well, and a lot of times with this too, speaking specifically of youth athletes, it's like the one kid that you work with there and the parents are the ones that continue telling the story, even though the kid's trying to change. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's like some, we've talked about this in the past, how much the environment truly impacts your emotions and your mental and your psychology and all that. You adapt to the environment that you're in based on survival mechanisms. If you constantly have parents telling you, oh, so-and-so lashes out. He always lashes out. He's always a problem at school. She's always a problem here. She's a problem with the coaches, da 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 You become that. Yeah. It becomes a given law of assumption at that point. Yeah. Here, here it is. Well, you're always that. I, there's even an individual that we work with on a different level. And uh, he says to me, I can't understand why my daughter is always, you know, she's she's always lashing out i said well what have you what story have you told her up to this point well she's always been the loud and outgoing one is she loud and outgoing yeah well is she even, overspoken yeah yeah not even the story that he doing? that they're telling the individual but more so the story that they're like the perception that they have of that person is the story that they're telling themselves so then you have that experience then you have that history and then you're kind of forcing them into a box that they don't necessarily fit in whereas you might get more out of it if you just say hey like this one's outgoing this one's loud it's going to be like that in class for example mm -hmm. but you still need to be able to get your work done yeah you know like it it's it's harder to accept because you want that person to succeed so much and you, you base everything off of your own past experiences. So you want to make sure you're trying to get them down the right path. But like, well, you know what? It's I hard think, to kind of trust. Sometimes. I think parents really need to get used to the phrase, yes, and. So, for example, 
you're, my son is very loud and outgoing. Yes, and he's also very disciplined at getting his stuff done. See, that's completely different. That's completely different than my son is a loud and outgoing person and he's a disruptor. Yes, and you need to change. I, I don't think sometimes parents realize how much power they have of narrating the story for, the, for their child, right? Like that's a really, really big thing. That's a really big thing when, it, when you dive into it where it's like, we, we know how much parenting impacts the psychology of an individual. We don't use it enough though to really make somebody great in that sense. Yeah, but then have that discussion with, with your child and not the teacher. Absolutely. Like you can't, Absolutely. You, like you can't, you can't put it all on the teacher. It's like, what are you doing? Especially at home. If there's, there's an issue or something that comes back, you can't, you can't blame someone else for your, for your own child's actions. The Difference Maker podcast is something that Chris and I put a lot of work into, and it's something we love to do for you. So all we're asking in return, please, if you can, leave a review, leave a rating, leave a comment on our podcast. It helps us get ranked higher, and it helps us continue to bring you free content. We're not asking for anything else. We don't do any kind of paid promotion for this. We don't do anything you know surrounding it. We're literally bringing you the top free pieces of content that we use with our best athletes to make sure that we can get you the resilient skills they have. So please... If you can, leave a review, leave a rating, make sure to subscribe to us, click the notification bell if you're tuning in on YouTube, leave a comment down below, just help us grow this channel so we can help bring you or keep bringing you free content. Well, and to that, I think that also comes into too, like this little bit of a modern day approach, if you will, on dealing with problems or counseling people and so on, which is a lot of the times, you know, I think a lot of people like to have labels behind things. I think a lot of people like to label themselves or label others or label the situation. And the problem with labeling is that that becomes the story you're telling yourself, even if it's a momentary point in time. Like, I think we can't forget everything we do. Every person you interact with is how they're feeling in the moment. Yeah. It's not who they really are, right? Like, you could be interacting with one of the nicest people possible. Maybe you have an experience, for example, with somebody who's super nice, right? And they come up to me after and they just got out of a meeting with a coach or a boss or somebody who ripped them a new one. And they come up to me and they're one of the nastiest people. They're cold, they're dry, they're shut off, they're, all of that. People are, people are a reflection of how they're currently feeling, right? So to do this whole thing with labeling something, with pushing something, with, oh, well, that's what it is. That can become very dangerous sometimes. Well, isn't that what we do naturally as as humans is we categorize things to make it easier for us to understand or no? Yeah, compartmentalize. Carp yeah, okay. Right? Symbolism, right? A lot of it is it's much easier to remember with a label. It's much easier to remember with a story you tell yourself. Right, so it's tough to, you have to actively work to not try to do that, I guess. You got to actively work not to do it, but I think you also have to take a different perspective towards things. And this is where I sometimes, this is where I personally decided to go a different route when I was working with the sports psychologist at the time when I was playing sports, right? When I was the older, if you will, approach, which was everybody wanted to label something. Now the practicality behind things, it was often piss poor. And I don't mean that as a shot, but I mean like, okay, if you want to tell me that what I'm currently dealing with is anxiousness, What's my solution? And more importantly, what's the guaranteed solution to work? Don't give me any of this BS of if you apply it or don't. Hey, we play with that same extreme, but we get the majority of our people to take action. What do I need to do? Exactly. 
don't tell me I have anxiousness. Don't get me to talk about my feelings and then conclude with you're anxious. That's great. I just vented to you. But what's my moving forward part? Right? Oftentimes we say this all the time to people we deal with, but why are you spending 95% of your time on the problem? You know what the problem is. Something crappy happened in your past. Something shit happened in your past. You, you, you're feeling anxious about the future. That's the problem. Let's talk about it. Boom. Let's get to the root of it. Let's do it as quick as we possibly can. And then you know what? Let's work 20 times harder on the solution than we do on the problem itself. The problem's done. The problem's gone. It's there. It's never going anywhere else. It's always going to be there. It happened. Problems happened in the past. Well, I think it's like for that is for that why people spend actually so much on the problem talking about it. I think the solution sometimes is a little intimidating to the individual. And I don't think that they believe or when they start to actually think about it, like steps that they need in order to get there. I think it becomes almost they think themselves into it's impossible to get there or I have to do this, I have to do that. That's why like so many people and anyone listening can see this around any big family dinner table or anything like that when your dad or your uncles or your parents start to talk about all the problems in society and stuff like that. Sometimes the solution, like a lot of the time, the solution is, okay, you got to stand up and you got to say something, but who's willing to do that? It's out of the comfort zone. It's not comfortable. And it's very difficult. Like it's awkward. It's not only awkward, but it's very, very, you, you talk about it, you vent about it, you get it out. And then you sit there and you think about it. It's like, wow, we would really need a revolution to do this, to do that and everything else. Are you going to be the one that's going to call for it and this and everything else? Like it's, it's intimidating. Sometimes the solution, and even for some people that we start working with at the beginning, I guaranteed some of them might even think, damn, this is, this is going to be some work. Yeah. But you know what we do though? This is what I'm going to say. And this is what I was thinking about the whole time. And I bit my tongue because I wanted to let you finish that point. We work very hard to simplify things to one action a week. Yeah, for sure. Right? Mm -hmm. So here's my problem with how things currently go when it comes to the therapeutic side of things and so on. Everybody loves to say it's a deep, complicated issue. I get that issues are hardcore. I get that people suffer. Oftentimes, though, it's not that complex. It's not. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. Listen, hey. I'm not to cut you off, but there was an athlete we worked with. This individual was going through a relationship issue. He was going through it. He was a fighter. He wasn't performing for the, I I believe it was a couple fights after that. Right. So I asked, so he called, he was referred to us by a friend and he calls. He said, so tell me about your training. What's going on? Oh, I'm not confident. Hmm. Okay. Tell me about it. Well, I'm doing this, this, this. So I said, are you focusing on your strengths? You know what your strengths are? Yep. Tell me them. Told me them. Are you using them? Yeah, I'm performance. I'm doing my best to use them. All of them, all of them, all of them. Okay, cool. I said, so you know what your strengths are? I said, are you working on your strengths? He goes, man, five times a week. I'm going to the gym. I'm doing what I need to do. I'm doing my strength training as well. My my technical training as well. My different jujitsu and this and that. I'm doing it. Okay. So, so something doesn't add up here. Either you're training poorly or you're not doing the right kind of work. What is it? He goes, I'm actually doing both. He goes, I'm actually doing the right kind of work. He goes, I'm training poorly. I said, why are you training poorly? He goes, man, um, I don't feel energized when I come into performance. I said, fair. I said, how's your nutrition? Very good. How's your sleep? Very good. But Matt, I feel mentally drained. Why? Why do you feel mentally drained? So then he starts giggling and laughing. This is what I mean by it's not that complex. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. He goes, dude. And then he proceeds to tell me about this really tough relationship scenario happening. I said, is that taking up your energy? Yeah. Is that taking up your time? Yeah. What was your problem in performance? I didn't feel like I had energy to train well. Hmm. So it's not that you have this issue, that issue, this issue, that it's that, right? Yeah. Okay. So in about 10 minutes that it took us to get to the bottom of that by just some real questioning, we spent the next hour working on strategies to help with that relationship. Was that, here's why I believe a lot of people like to first off stay in their problems. Number one, misery loves company. That's the reality. Misery absolutely loves company. If there's a negative headline that you're walking by in the street and you see it on the street, you're going to stop and read that versus it's going to be a beautiful sunshiny week or there's a horrible tornado coming so-and-so terrible storm. Everything is catastrophized. People gravitate towards a negative. It's a truth. It is much easier to find a pool of people that you can continuously talk about your problems with than it is to find your solutions with. Another one was an athlete this past week. We were talking about a breakup he had. I said, dude, here's a problem. You're talking to this person about it, that person, reading this book, that book, this, this, this. Truth is this. You need to make a choice of what you want to do with this relationship. I said, there's no wrong answer. You want to go back and fix it? Go back and fix it. You want to decide to move forward with it? Decide to move forward with it and stop dealing with it. Deal, do it. Fine. Go for it. But the thing is, you need to make a decision. Because if you don't make a decision, the truth of the matter is you're going to continuously live in the past and that's going to suck. Now, here's where... We'll go just a little bit deeper on this part because this is also where it's very simple, but people don't realize it. The reason people don't like to focus on the solution a lot of the times is because of the fact that oftentimes when you're constantly rehashing the past and it's negative and it's bad and people are showing you love, you like that attention much more than you like moving on from it. Mm -hmm. And there's a real fear of people. There have been studies on studies done about it that there's a real fear that people would much rather stay in what they call their suffering and pain because of the attention and love they get in it than they would moving forwards and becoming something better and getting out of that pain. Why? People do things to avoid pain and gain pleasure. So you might have experienced pain in the past. Maybe someone stole your $100, right? Right. And it's and that $100 might have been your make or break for the month where you have to pay your bills. Let's pretend we're living in a very perfect world, right? Not modern day society. But $100 is what you need to live. And that's painful because you can't live the way you want to. Then you have a community of five people you talk with every single Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday about how bad it is that you lost that $100. And now you start finding comfort in all those people talking to you about it. And you start finding community in it. So now the pain of leaving that group and having a better life and making more money if you want and getting out of that $100 that was stolen, the pain of leaving that group now is much more um, meaningful to you. It's much more painful to leave that group than it actually is to solve your problem. Interesting. To me, I don't know if that happens else, a lot. I don't know if anyone else listening to me, that sounds like almost um, addiction to drugs. Yep. Like uh, you have something that is causing you the pain, right? But that feeling that you get once you have it is euphoric or whatever. Yep. Depending on what you take. It's not, it kind of sounds like that where the misery that or the pain that you're currently feeling then you have those people that are giving you love but you lose that love only because yeah you have or you still have that pain or yep. you have that love because you have that pain Ab that that's it that's it you have that love because you have that pain mm -hmm. and giving up that love 
and give, giving up that love and moving on from the pain is way more painful than get moving on from the pain itself. So what ends up happening is now, to your point, that's exactly what it is when it comes to the addiction side. Well, mm. for some cases where people just, well, mm, hold on, let's say something quick on that. The addiction side is you're using drugs to mask a pain you're feeling. No, that's fine. I'm just right? saying that's no, no, what no, it sounds that, like. Just to clear that up. But yeah. yes, you hit it on the head though. It's much tougher to give up that love than it is to actually solve the problem and the 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 reason that's so detrimental and dangerous just like we talked about with the pills and the actual problem which with this individual by the way all he needed was a proper system that we're going to give to you right now but all he needed was a proper system to refocus himself before he went to bed and clear his thoughts Hmm. but to give up that love to give it all up that's where people get this wrong it's you then start to get into this cycle where you have that pain that's still happening. And think about this for a sec. So let's go back to the $100 example, right? So now the $100 example, you don't have enough money because you don't have that $100 to pay your bills that month. But you're you're much more happy sitting in your own shit and letting that happen. So think of all the other things that then start to catastrophize because of that. Well, because you don't have $100, you can't buy the right meals you need. So now all of a sudden you have a nutrition deficiency as well. Because of that, you can't put, turn the lights on at home. So now you also have a, you know, a, a, an electricity problem and a heating problem and a this problem. And it all starts to become something big. And that's where it's dangerous. Because what people don't realize is if you don't solve the root of that issue and you don't go deep and you hit it and you understand what the issue is, you need to understand it. But then you don't move on from it. That's where the problems start to happen. That's why I have the issue with here's a pill. That's my problem. It's not that pills are bad. It's that pills often mask the, prob- the, the, the solution, right? It's like, go do that work. Discover what it is. It often doesn't take a lot of time. You often know what it is that, that's screwed with you, right? You often know what it is, what that pain is. But the solution is much... It's, people don't like to focus on the solution, it's A, you have to be more strategic with the solution. And B, you also have to be much more aware of what that solution is. And that takes work. There's that that push and pull pain, yeah. right? So that's kind of where it's at with it. Um, but the big thing, and, and maybe this is the part we'll kind of conclude with, there are solutions. So the solution we followed with this individual, and if you are a person who's having a problem going to sleep at night because you're feeling anxious or you can't clear your mind or however you want to call it yourself... There's four things that we do. Number one, you need to start with box breathing. And you need to do this all, by the way, an hour before you go to sleep, not two minutes before you fall asleep, an hour before you go to bed. This is a process. This is a system. This takes commitment and discipline. But take it from me, you sleep like a baby. Okay? Number one, you need to practice box breathing or a form of breathing. I like box breathing. We like box breathing here because it's one of the things that allows you to really calm down. It's scientifically proven. There are many studies that have been linked to it to show that it decreases anxiety and all the all the, the stuff associated with it. I like box breathing. So the question always becomes, well, how many rounds do I do? You do as many rounds as you need to really calm yourself down. There are some nights that I need six rounds because it was a heavy day, right? <laughs> we We had to to find a new marketer and find a new accountant and this client left and that happened, that's when I need like 20 rounds of box breathing, right? But my point is the more intense that your anxiety is or that more intense that you're overthinking, if you want to call it that, do more rounds. Just don't pass out. 
Okay, that's my only warning and disclosure. Don't pass out. Once you do your box breathing, here's the next thing. We call it clearing your mental cache. Like, you know the cache in a computer? Is that what it is? Cache or cache? Yeah. Cache. Whichever you feel I don't even like. freaking know what it's called. But clearing <laughs> your mental cache, okay? And that's where what you want to do is think of your head like a computer. You don't just want to breathe and calm down. You want to take all the junk stored in the back of your skull and throw it onto paper and materialize it. That's where you start to see what's going on. The reason that writing is so good for getting your thoughts out of your head and onto paper, the reason it's so positive for people, all that mental capacity, if you will, that it takes up to remember and focus on all those things, there are actually, it actually goes through and allows you to materialize what's going on in front of you, right? So instead of just having all these things occupying your mind, your short-term memory, if you will, you throw it on paper and it's clearing. There's an actual clearing therapeutic process that I personally feel and many of our clients do when they do this before bed just writing it down and getting it all out not just like I felt this today no get it all out man talk about it is it like a a metaphorical thing where you take it from one place and dump it it to another yeah it's called mind dumping mind dumping right or uh, people call it brain dumping a lot of people do this in the uh, the original process of when they start their ideas when they're creating something but what that's really doing is it's taking all those scattered thoughts, which is what overthinking is or anxiety and so on. It's overthinking and you, you materialize it all. So it makes you focus it <laughs> to, and get rid of it. To me, it feels like if I don't write it down, it's kind of like things hiding yeah. in the, in the forest and you can only see it when you're focused on it or something like it's that. It's a disaster. And then when you write it down, it's daytime. You can see everything. Yes. Um, <laughs> once you do that, a really good process that I like to follow. I often do this with my wife. You can do this with a parent. You can do this with a brother, sister, sibling, whatever. Vent to somebody. Go vent to somebody. Have real conversation about what you just wrote down. Now, if you're somebody who's living in a mountain and you don't have anybody else near you, talk to the birds, but speak it. Actually say it out loud. Saying it out loud also has that same therapeutic process. Once you discuss it and you close that chapter the same way that writing it down does. You have to speak with somebody about it. And then finally, before bed, 45 minutes before your intended, because all of this, the box breathing, the journaling and the discussing, discussing only takes about 20 ish minutes, if you will. Mm -hmm. Before you intend to go to sleep, get off the screens 45 minutes before to 40 minutes before it will change your life. That was the biggest thing for me that drastic. I used to be one of those social media readers and market readers and TikTok listeners and BS before bed, right up with that stupid blue light piercing through my pupil before I went to sleep. That was a bad decision for me. Couldn't sleep, felt like crap, woke up feeling exhausted still, even though I would sleep seven hours, like my eyes hurt, right? Get off that. What do you do? Here's a crazy one. Read a book. You can listen to a podcast that you don't have to watch. You can talk and have discussions. You can write more if you want, but the point is, wind down and you'll find often when you do these things there's such a weight lifted off your shoulders that you're so you feel so good and so calm that you can just chill Mm. right so these are things we cover in all of our coaching programs these are things we do with all of our clients but use this framework rewind it if you have to listen to it again but use this framework it's a really good one it allows you to just get right into what you need to do and um, it's very positive for it so with that being said, strong episode today that was good. Um, you're going to all be holding me accountable for the next 365 days, mm-hmm. right? So make sure you guys subscribe to you yes. know follow along with uh, 
Matt's Thoughts. Yeah, Matt's Thoughts. That's a good one. That could be the episode. That yeah. could be dangerous. Wow. That's like what Creed a killer thoughts. title. That's title like what that Creed is. Thoughts from The Office, right? <laughs> Maybe you should just give me a, a Word document. But um, that's there. And then if you have any comments about this too, we would love to hear you, from you down below. This is an open community. We love to hear from you down below if you're tuning in on on YouTube or you know a place like that that you can comment. If you're on Spotify, please drop us a couple ratings. I mean. It helps us so much grow this channel and keep doing this. We love doing this for everybody. We love doing this for ourselves too. It's kind of therapeutic for us too, but it's nice. It's brain we'll dump. be there. Yes. And then finally, if you're somebody who wants to apply for coaching with Chris, myself, or one of our Molotium coaches, there's a link down below. You can click it. It'll take you through an application process. We'll see where and if we can help you by any means and just go through it. Be honest with us. There's everything there that we like to kind of help with. And finally, there's another link down below. For those of you who want to write in or call in, we're eventually going to turn this into a call show. That's our vision. We don't want to spoil it yet, but there's a call show idea we have for coming up in the next couple months, if you will. But write us in if you want us to talk about, you know, one of the challenges that you're going through and you need some help with it and you want us to dissect it. I think that'd be a really cool kind of episode that we'll start doing is just dissecting those challenges that come through and we can go through it. And even those ones that I have where I'm just doing a quick audio recording each day and I'm just talking about what comes to mind if you have one and i can break it down for you i'll break it down for you and all of it's kept anonymous all of it is there just for you and to resolve your challenges and your issues and it's completely free for you right it's free therapy essentially it's free coaching and you'll be able to do what you need to so with that being said like subscribe click the notification bell if you're tuning in on youtube check out our coaching programs down below and make sure to write in so that we can help you we'll see everybody in the next one